glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the room wide ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast brought to you by me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. This is part two of the Bob Lung interview that Dennis and I did with him. With this, one, this episode will be focused completely on wide receivers, tight ends, and then some undervalued players that he thinks you should uh, look at and possibly draft in your redraft league. So again, if you guys did not get a chance to listen to the first episode, please download that as well. There's a lot of information uh, about the Listener League in there. Again, if you guys purchase Bob Lung's Guide, and not even if you guys should, when you guys purchase Bob Lung's Guide, please send a receipt of the purchase or proof that you purchase it to either Dennis or myself in our DMs on Twitter, or you guys can always email the show at fantasyfootballroundtable at yahoo.com. And you guys will get entered in a chance to be in the Listener League. Again, with that, you guys have a chance to win a free NFL player jersey for whoever wins the league. So, guys, please enjoy the rest of this episode and have a good weekend. So we're we're talking about wide receivers now here on your consistency guide. And what I found very interesting is that you still have Julio uh, in your top four. For a lot of people, he's dropped out. He's he's more toward that, like, 6 to 10 range. Just based, I would assume, kind of on what we've seen injury-wise. But from what I saw in your guide, it looks like he's still consistently putting up numbers. Is that why he's still up there for you? That's absolutely it. I mean, last year he ranked second in total points, third in consistency overall. 2017, he was top five in consistency. Um, and nothing's going to change. In fact, they got a better offensive line uh, this year that, you know, they added some two studs in the uh, the NFL draft, which is going to give Julio more time to get deep. Um, I, I, I see no reason why anything would change offensively for that team. Uh, you know, they get Freeman back, but that he's just replacing Tevin Coleman. So, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley's still there. Hooper's still there. Um, you know, Mohamed Sanu's still there. So I don't see anything changing. Like I said, I've, I've been drafting Julio in a lot of leagues, mostly in the ones where I'm drafting 10, 11, 12, where by then most of the running backs are gone. So I'm going usually double wide receiver, whether it's Julio and Odell or, you know, Julio and, uh, you know, Schuster or, whatever the case may be but yeah no i i think julio deserves to be top four i mean his adp right now is he's fourth um you know if people have him ranked a little bit lower then that's fine but i i don't know who you put him below outside of you know beckham you know i got you know basically I, mine has deandre De- devante julio and beckham and that's my tier one and i think those are the best four wide receivers especially with Beckham now in Cleveland where he's going to be motivated. He's got Landry with him. Um, to be honest with you, I've, I was always been an Odo Beckham hater. He was never consistent in New York, not as consistent as he should have been. Um, he always had an attitude. He was always angry, you know, alienated, unfocused. And it was just because, you know, he wasn't having any fun. And, you know, now he's excited about Cleveland. He loves the fact he's playing with his former teammate or, uh, you know, from LSU. He's got a, a team that's on a winning run. Um, you know, you know the fans support this team. So 
uh, they're going to love him in Cleveland. I think he's going to just kick some serious ass. I wouldn't be surprised if Odell ends up being the number one receiver this year overall. Uh, I'm not going to rank him there, but it wouldn't surprise me if he made it there. Oh, that's that's music to my heart and ears. I've I've been a huge <laughs> Odell fan, mostly for for one reason because uh, the year that he came out, obviously with the 2014 class, um, he won me just a. I'm not even kidding. He won me close to six championships that year because just wow. somehow I ended up with it wasn't just him. I ended up with him and C.J. Anderson on a lot of teams. Mm-hmm that year and that was the year that they went on that huge run him and anderson both i think it was like the last six or seven weeks of the year they were putting up close to 20 points a game every single game and it just vaulted me to a championship so ever since then i've 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 loved odell i (laughs) nobody can say a bad thing about him Uh, but to the to the julio jones thing so for me personally and again we we've we've noted my past on on mistakes here um i would have personally michael thomas Juju Smith-Schuster, and then I would debate having Antonio Brown over Julio. So I know in your rankings they're all below him. Is it all just based on, again, because of the numbers Julio just seems to put up every year regardless of him being hurt or not? Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. I mean, you know, way I look at it, too, is Schuster, you know, is only really, you know, now becomes the star. Uh, that's a lot of pressure on him to be the number one. You know, it was easy for him to be the number two in Pittsburgh when you had Antonio Brown. Can he handle the pressure of being number the number one guy and having the number one cornerback? Um, you know, if he matches last year's numbers, I think that would be a very good year for Juju, but that ranked him 10th in consistency and 8th in total points. So that's why I don't have him ahead of Julio. Uh, Michael Thomas uh, was a stud two years ago, but he dropped last year. Again, kind of going back to the Drew Brees scenario if they don't have to throw the ball as much because they have a good running game. Well, they didn't throw the ball as much to Michael. I mean, they threw it a lot to Michael Thomas, but not as much as they did in the past. So his consistency dropped down to 75%, which actually ranked him 15th overall in fantasy consistency. So sixth in total points, that's still great. But in the end, he, that still puts him below him. Uh, Antonio Brown in Oakland, I'm you now. I'm still a little weary with Derek Carr and company, so I'm I'm staying pretty far away. And I've always loved Antonio, but that that whole scenario right there scares me to death. Yeah, I got you. That's why I, for me that that's the debatable one. He's the one that I could I could you could easily talk me out of of putting a B ahead of him. I think with, obviously with his consistency numbers that you show in the guide, AB is still at least up until now proven that he can do that every year. But Derek Carr oh, yeah. is a, is a huge red flag. I, I agree with you there. Uh, you were just talking about Michael Thomas. So I'm, I'm just going to move right into this question real quick. You have Julian Edelman over him, which I think is extremely bold. That is not something you see <laughs> every day. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. This is the, the first time I've seen that again. Maybe it's just the, the perceived, um, I guess greatness. You, no, I shouldn't say greatness. That's my Ohio State Buckeyes bias taking over right there. Uh, <laughs> the uh, just the perceived um, player that Michael Thomas is again in that offense with Drew Brees. But I, I feel like I know where you're going to go with this and the Tom Brady, especially <laughs> what we saw with Edelman out of the playoffs. But why do you have Edelman over Michael Thomas? Yeah, like you said, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, you know, he missed the four games because of suspension. In those 12 games he played, he was consistent. You know, he was over the clutch factor 11 out of 12. That's 92%. That put him fifth overall. The only people ahead of him, basically, Hopkins, Adams, and, and Julio uh, and Antonio. Um, you know, Thomas was 75%. 
you saw how it went through the playoffs, the Super Bowl. This is Brady's guy. He is going to get his 8 to 10 catches a game, 80 to 100-some yards, probably a touchdown. You can bank on that almost on a weekly basis. Uh, and because of that, you know, when I looked at the numbers of who, you know, when I put this together and I said, who can I count on? Who's, who's my guy? Uh, I almost put Edelman ahead of uh, Juju uh, because of just the consistency numbers. But I said, you know what? I just feel like Thomas is going to continue to match those numbers, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And that's a good, those goods are good numbers, but it's still 15th overall in consistency. And I've got, you know, it, uh, you know his ADP Edelman right now is 403, and Thomas's is 111. So I'm just saying, you know, I'm not saying you you pick Edelman at the end of the first round. I'm just saying, right. hey, if you can get Edelman, you're you're in for 90 percent consistency, and that to me is golden. And if you can get him a little bit later, that's great. But right now, that's who I'm going to pick. If I had a choice between Edelman and Thomas, that's probably who I'm going to pick is is Edelman because I know what I'm getting there. I don't even have to think about it. You know, one of the guys that jumps out for me in this tier as a possible value is Jay Green. Do you think he's going to bounce back from the foot injury to play 14, 15, 16 games? You know, he's got that 89% consistency rating. Yeah, and he's always really high. Right. And he's always been up there. He's, you know, he's definitely uh, a tier one. You know, normally he's, you know, definitely tier two. He's usually always a a wide receiver one uh, consistency wise, total points wise. Uh, You know, he, you know, I read, you know, I read a lot about his injury and he's definitely right on pace. He's supposed to be 100 percent healthy. Uh, you know, he's running well now. So I think there's without a problem, you know, if something changes during the summer, then I may adjust that. But at this point, in my opinion, you know, AJ Green is a good value. Um, you know, and be, like you said, because of that, you know, his his ADP now has him as wide receiver 13. He's going in the early third round. So, again, you know, if you go and get a, a Barkley or Zeke at one and, you know, you can come back around and get a, a double hit of. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, Keenan Allen and A.J. Green or Edelman and, and Green. I mean, those are two, you know, 85, 90 percent wide receivers to match up with your 95 percent Zeke or Barkley. Man, you're you're off to a consistently golden start. That's for sure. Man, I can't wait to do another startup. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to the top of your rankings really quick. Um, so not that this is a, is a big deal. I feel like both these players could be argued either way, DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams, which is the order you have them. What gives Hopkins for you, I would assume, is a slight edge over Adams? Well, basically, you know, they were both 100% consistent last year, so it's hard to argue, except for the fact that Hopkins is also 100% consistent the year before. So that's two okay. back-to-back years. Hopkins has been 100% consistent in PPR format, and anytime you can do that, I'm going to put you ahead of Adams, who's only done it one year. Fair enough. I, like I said, I, I was interested to see if it, if it had anything to do with the quarterback or the team around him, because I do feel like Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson are both pretty comparable as well. So I just wanted to hear what oh, the, yeah. what the slide edge. I did not know that. That is very interesting. That that uh, Hopkins has done it two years in a row. I think. 
Yeah. For me, the only other person that's done that was Antonio Brown, uh-huh. and he did it for two full years and then half of the second year. So he actually did it like, I think it was 38 games in a row. Hopkins has 31 over the last two years, so I'm going to see if he can break Antonio's record of, uh, you know, most clutch games in a row. He's certainly wow. got the, sh- the ability. Well, I hope he does. If, if he does, you've got to tweet that at me because I'm a huge Hopkins fan. He's someone that I think <laughs> yeah, has uh, for a long time been criminally underrated. Now that I think that uh, like the guys like A.B., Julio, Odell with his move, all these players moving around, I think Hopkins is finally getting the love that he deserves. Absolutely. What um, I just really quick want to touch on Tyreek. What, what do you think – how much do you think he'll drop for you if he has to sit out this entire year and then possibly – if especially if he moves away from the Chiefs. If the Chiefs cut him like they did Kareem Hunt, do you think that will affect his numbers significantly or do you think he'll still be somewhat of the player that he's been the past couple of years depending – let's just assume he goes to a decent offense. Well, I mean, I guess you're also assuming that he doesn't get convicted of this problem. Yeah. Um, okay. Because if he, yeah, because at this point, I don't see him ever playing the NFL again if he actually gets convicted of this. Because what I've least heard and seen, I, I don't want, I don't want that human anywhere on my team. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're you know, right now, there. I, I think right now. I don't think I could ever draft him. I really don't because at this point, I just don't see you know even if let's say he does get off i I, man that's a good point i there's going to be a lot of distractions um you know i guess if he fell to the third round or something or fourth round maybe but again i'd probably look and go well i could draft julian edelman too so why would i I try to recall um you know, Tyreek last year dropped off a little bit. He had the total points again. He was third. But his consistency dropped down to, four, you know, 75% matching Michael Thomas's. Um, you know, again, nothing wrong with it. But that's wide receiver two country. And, you know, before the, the whole allegations, I mean, he was in the top five in some people's yeah. rankings. So, you know, that was a little too rich for my blood. Now, it's, of course, he's dropped down quite a bit. But, you know, this whole allegation thing, I'm not touching at any draft, best ball, or anything I'm doing, especially anything that has money involved. All right, so some um, analysts, including myself, think that Jarvis could have a, a nice kind of resurgent year playing with Odell. I think now that Baker will be fully kind of integrated into Freddie Kitchen's offense, we saw how well, and you've, you've talked about the numbers, of what he put up in that second half, and that's really when Freddie kind of came on. They let go of Hugh, Todd Haley. He was able to kind of run the offense the way he did, and I thought that's really kind of when you saw Jarvis come alive as well. You have him just inside your top 20. How high do you think he can finish? Because I would imagine that he was fairly high in your rankings when he was back in Miami because it seemed like he was putting up almost the same numbers every single year with Ryan Tannehill. Do you think he falls somewhere in the middle of that, or do you think he can get as high as he was, I would imagine, in his Miami days? Well, first off, I was laughing at the fact you called a resurgent. I'm like, this guy was, two years ago, was second in consistency with 94% and fourth in total points. How is that a resurgence? This guy actually went down last year. Um, I, it was a great year for as a Cleveland Brown fan to oh, have yeah, a good wide receiver like that. 75% consistency. Again, he tied Michael Thomas. He tied Tyreek Hill. Um, that's why I have a hard time believing that he can improve on that. Um, I'd be ecstatic if he could even match those numbers with Odell Beckham there. Mm-hmm. Because my thought, you know, and the other thing you have to look at, if you look at the guy and you look at his profile, 
the second half of the season, he only earned four clutch games in the second half out of eight. He had his other eight in the first nine games. Wow. So, or, or, or actually four of the last seven, eight of the first nine. So really, you know, the second half last year wasn't very good because they were spreading the ball around more in Freddie Kitchen's offense. So if it wasn't, you know, if he would have been kind of following, the, you know, the path of the first half of the season, he might have had another Miami year. Um, but overall, the second half last year, when they were spreading the ball around, trying to win football games, not worried about fantasy stats, um, then, and they were winning football games, yeah. he wasn't involved. Now, you bring in Odell, um, I feel like if he even matches this year's numbers, I'd be pretty happy about that. I mean, I have him, you know, like you said, I have him ranked, you know, in the top 20, but I, I, I like I said, I'm basing that on him trying. To, I'm hoping he matches last year. That's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm hoping for. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't surprise me if he dropped down to 65 or 70 percent because, again, if they're spreading the ball around and Odell's involved and Najoku and Chubb and, and everybody's part of the game to win football games, we may not see as much of a, of a resurgence as we'd expect out of Landry. Well, so with that being said, even that, though, if he drops down to, say, the 70%, like you were saying, how that really wouldn't drop him that far, though, would it? I mean, like I said, you've got him right there inside your top 20, so that still puts him, I would imagine, in the top 24, even if he drops down to 70%? Yeah, yeah, so if he gets down in the 70% range, I mean, you're talking about still the top, is still a wide receiver, too. Mm -hmm. But I just don't know if he'll get much higher than that. I don't. I don't see him going up. I can see him regressing a little bit, uh, but I think he'll still be a very valuable wide receiver too. I'd rather him as my wide receiver three, and and not have to rely on as much. Um, and I think based on where his ADP is falling out, like you said, um, it's in that it's in that area. Um, let's see where if it's uh, he's at wide receiver 21 right now. So, you know, he's getting near the back of the wide receiver two. Um, I've, like I said, I think I've been in leagues and uh, done some best balls where I drafted Landry as my three because I went wide receiver early, just trying to see what I could do with the running backs a little bit later. Um, so I've had Landry as my three. I feel much better with that. Um, but if I had to have him as a two because I had two running back studs, then that'd be okay as well. Yeah, I, I have my concern with Landry is that he's just he he may be cons, his consistency score may stay level, but his volume is going to decrease. Which, and as I say that out loud, I, I think that might be one of those things that can't really happen because his score. Because <laughs> well, if his volume goes down, then he won't he he won't score over the threshold. Well, it's possible. It depends on how they use him. Um, You know, the other thing you have to think about, too, is maybe they use him a little bit differently. You know, there was times last year where they had him, you know, running a ball out of the backfield, throwing passes. Um, You know, if he does that kind of stuff, those are still fantasy points. Those still count. So if he gets involved in a little bit more of those gadget plays um, where they're using him, you know, with his speed and his arm, um, you know, then I think... The volume might go down, and his consistency could stay the same. And this is how, because again, all you got to do is get over that factor. So let's say you know maybe his total points will drop down to twenty fourth instead of nineteenth, but he, he could still stay consistent because maybe instead of averaging fourteen points a game, he's averaging twelve, but the cutoff's eleven. Make sense? Yeah. 
So the logic is it, it, the logic is sound. Okay. Uh, moving on to the team of my childhood. Uh, <laughs> Barry Sanders. I, yeah, yeah. Love me some Detroit Lions growing up. I go. I go back to uh, you know Eric Hipple and. Uh, Ooh, yeah. That's that. That is ugly. You know, <laughs> Ken Land Ken Landry and uh, I go way back. Greg Landry. Yeah, that guy. Okay. Yeah, I tell people I've been a Lions fan for so. <laughs> and then you say Ken Landry, and they go, "Yeah, what?" I, I've been a Lions fan for so long that number 20 to me is Hall of Fame cornerback Lem Barney. There you go. I see him every year at Hall of Fame time. Yeah. He's a good man. So Kenny Galladay is the number one in Detroit now. You know, Marvin's coming back off of an injury. And without looking, it's, historically I think Marvin's been pretty inconsistent. Uh, Actually, Marvin wasn't bad when he had Golden Tate. Right. Yeah. So, do you have Kenny outside your top 20 because of you, you, Marvin is going to impact him, or you, maybe it's you don't think Stafford can really sustain the type of player that Kenny Galladay is? Um, why, do, why do you have him out, outside your top 20? Because I'm a big, big Kenny Galladay fan. Right. So, here's, there's a couple things. One, if you look at the splits last year, um, he started off on fire. He was five for five in the first five games when Jones was there. Uh, second half of the year, he was five of ten. Uh, so that made a big difference there. Secondly, um, there, you know, that offense with the new head coach and new OC from last a couple years had really want to rely more on the run, and they were doing that with Carryon Johnson until he got hurt. I believe they'll continue that. And again, in doing so, I think Galladay, I think Galladay will match last year's numbers, which were you know sixty-seven percent, twenty-fourth in inconsistency, twenty-first in total points. Um, you know, Jones will be back, um, which you know will will keep keep people at least teams away from focusing on Galladay. I just don't know if I see Galladay improving on his numbers based on the offensive situation. You know, with Jones there, you know, the running game. I just feel like I just see Galladay kind of staying where he's at. And that's that's why I have him outside the, the top 24, but I still have him at 21. So not, not, not far outside the top 20, but definitely in the wide receiver two range. Kind of, He's kind of like Landry. I expect him to kind of match the numbers, and I don't see much of an increase, and I don't see any reason for much of a decrease. So that's why I have him where I have him. So what you're saying Hard. is if uh, if you could take Kenny Galladay, Philip Lindsay, and say a 2021st and get Devontae Adams, you would do that? <laughs> oh, we're in Dynasty Leagues. God, yes. you guys throw me off. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's possible. I'd, I'd possible. have to look at it a little more, but it's possible. The I like trade, Devontae Adams. Uh, but trade that came I across we... my desk the other day. I'm a little okay. giddy. I'm a big Devonta Adams fan, so I'm thinking about it. as much as I, as much as I'm afraid Philip Lindsay will ghost me if I get rid of him. I, I've, the, the <laughs> fact that I could have Devonta yeah, Adams besides me, yeah, you can't give up on your man crush, man. Yeah, that's, you're probably right on that. You have no idea how bad it gets. I wish I knew how to quit you. He, he's gonna ghost you if you keep him. He's he's not that good. How dare you, sir? How dare you? What did you say? No! 
between the two of them. Let's not let's not do let's not fight in front of Bob. It's it's unbecoming. We you know we're supposed to be we're supposed to be prof- professional gentlemen here. Now you got me all messed up. I can't talk. I got all mad and angry. <laughs> all right, so Tyler Boyd had a breakout season last year. Yet you still have him fairly low. Why do you why I shouldn't say why do you hate Tyler Boyd, but why is he so low in your rankings? Well, MCL strain put him out for a couple games near the end of the year. He's supposed to be 100% healthy. Um, You know, his total points, again, and consistency showed he should be a low wide receiver two, high wide receiver three. You know, remember that A.J. Green missed some time. And even though while Green was out, Boyd wasn't targeted any more or any less. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing that kind of scared me more is like, well, if he's really that good, why were they not throwing him the ball more when A.J. Green went down? Um, you know, the second half of the season, he was only four for eight in clutch games, and he was five for eight in the first half when Green was there. So that tells me that Boyd is kind of like what Juju was with Brown, is he's better when A.J.'s on the field. Um, and because of that, I kind of feel like, again, Boyd's one of those that's going to kind of stay where he's at, and that's why... You know, last year he was 64%, ranked 25th overall in consistency. And I feel like he'll be right around there again this year. Um, still a very good pick and still a good value, uh, especially if his ADP isn't bad, which let's see the last time I looked. Uh, he's a, you know, wide receiver 28, picks 605. You know, again, I, I think that's a solid wide receiver three. I'd have no problem drafting him as my wide receiver three at that spot. So this brings us... To the end of the wide receiver questions. So looking at tier four, which one of these guys is has the best probability of jumping up to tier one? Tier one? Ooh. Or not tier one. <laughs> wide receiver one. Excuse oh, me. wide receiver. Like, wait a minute. You're going from wide receiver three to wide receiver one, huh? <sighs> That's, I don't know. I don't know if any of them can get to wide receiver one. Um, if there's guys that I think will improve, not, not like the wide receiver one, just oh, okay. one of the top 12, one of the top 12. I don't know if I can see any of them getting to the top 12. Um, not, not even Sammy with Tyreek gone. No, because Sammy's always been too inconsistent, regardless if he's been the number one guy or not. Um, Sammy needs somebody on the other side to make him productive. Last year was one of Sammy at 60% last year. Sammy was, that was one of his best seasons ever consistency wise at 60%. And that was with Tyreek Hill there. When he's been the star, whether it was Buffalo or New England or wherever the hell he's been, um, he's always been 55, 50%. Um, he's never, he can never step up and, and put those kind of numbers up. Um, he may improve a little bit, you know, if he can play 16 games, that's his other problem. Um, he certainly will improve from a total point standpoint, but I don't know if he'll, you know, he might bump up to 65%, but I don't think there's any chance that he'll make it up. I think that with that, you know, Miko Hardman and they've got Demarcus Robinson, um, you know, they'll use those guys as the speed demons and, you know, let Watkins do what Watkins does, which is beat average. Right. <laughs> I've got a, a guy in tier four. I'm interested to to see what you think um because I know you're big on the quarterback. What about Dante Pettis possibly now being the number one in San Francisco? Do you think he has a chance to make it all the way up there? Maybe not to twelve, but say maybe the top fifteen. 
Uh, I could see him getting top 20. Um, he certainly put look, put up some decent numbers at the end of last year that made me feel like, eh, you know, this kid's got some got some potential um, at the end of, uh, you know, he put up uh, four clutch games over the last six. So that kind of makes me feel like, oh, okay, that's 67%. So, you know, that could put him into that, you know, wide receiver two, low wide receiver two range. That's where Tyler Boyd was. So I could definitely see him moving up into the wide receiver two. Now, again, they did go out and draft a couple rookies as well. But there's no question that, you know, Pettis will be the number one guy. You know, Marquise Goodwin has kind of fallen out of favor. I mean, really, the number one guy there is Kittle. But yeah. uh, but I think Pettis showed that, you know, he can step up. And, you know, yes, the, the, you know, Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd is there. But I think Pettis still has the number one spot. Uh, again, he's a guy that, uh, you know, if you can draft a little bit later, uh, in the in the rounds, let's see where his ADP is currently. It's uh, wide receiver thirty three, seven eleven. I have him at thirty five. So yeah, wide receiver, late wide receiver three is a good value. If you can get him as a wide receiver four, that's even better. Well, since you brought up George Kittle, let's move on to the tight ends. <laughs> and the first question I have, because I love me some George Kittle, is right now in your rankings, you still have Zach Ertz ahead of him. Travis Kelsey at one, I think, is kind of the consensus 1-1 one, one at tight end right now, especially with him probably being the number one target for Patrick Mahomes in that <laughs> high-powered offense. Does what Dallas Goddard did last year and him probably being integrated more into the offense this year hurt Ertz's value at all for you? I don't think so. I mean, you know, they've had Trey Burton there. They had Goddard there. They've, you know, they, they, I think they need those backups to come in and give Ertz some, some breathing time. And I think that helps him be a better overall player. Uh, and I think that's a perfect scenario for them, but I don't think they're ever going to eat in enough that it's going to make, um, you know, could Kittle pass him? I mean, sure. They were, you know, both, 13 to 16 consistency wise, 81%. There was only 19 points difference between the two. Uh, you know, Kittle was playing without Jimmy G for most of the year. So if Jimmy G likes him even, even more then we could certainly see a resurgent and it wouldn't surprise me if Kittle maybe would pass Ertz in total points this year, but they're both going to be 80% plus consistency. Uh, you know, they're both going very close in most drafts. They're usually both going in the second round, you know, maybe early third at the latest, but you know, those three tight ends are going off the board awfully early. Um, and so, you know, if, if you like Kittle more than Ertz, that's great. Then you just wait a few more picks later. That's all. You've got two – or no, I'm sorry. you got one rookie on here that uh, I know Dennis is a huge fan of uh, and Chris Herndon, who really has kind of jumped up. He's in your top 12. Now, we, we all know that tight end is kind of a, a fantasy wasteland somewhat. What did you see out of Herndon this past year based on your consistency rating? Do you think he could move up even higher than 11? I don't know if he can move up more. I actually moved him out of the top 12 since we did this. Oh, okay. Um, but that's okay. Um, I like Herndon. I think he was, you know, he was the top tight end rookie last year. Um, granted, he was only 58% consistent. Uh, you know, it wasn't uh, super. Um, but it was definitely good enough to take notice that, you know what, hey, this, this kid can play. Um, now the other thing you have to also think about is that they had nothing really else offensively. Their running game was terrible. Uh, their wide receivers are marginal at best. They've improved that a little bit. They've got Le'Veon Bell now. Um, that might actually help Herndon out because now you've got a guy coming out of the backfield that 
the linebackers can't focus on just Herndon to stop him. So I think Herndon's could be one of those good late value guys. Um, uh, like I said, I've moved him out of the top 12, but you know, I, I'm still kind of on the fence with, with that offense of what's going to happen there. Um, but I certainly could move him back up, you know, 13, 14. It just depends on, you know, where these other guys fall out, uh, you know, offensively, um, you know, with guys like Vance McDonald and Doyle and, you know, actually I think I had Serfarian Jenkins ahead of him. Now I'm going to move that back because they signed Ben Watson today. So now that becomes a, a, a real mess. Yeah. So there's been a hot topic debate here at tight end for the past, I would say, this will be the second year, really, with Eric Ebron going to Indianapolis last year and having a huge season, much to the... Uh, uh, the, the dismay the, of Detroit yeah, fans? Yeah, exactly. Yes, the dismay of all Detroit fans who were hoping that Eric Ebron would do at least half of what he did in Indianapolis. Everybody loved Jack Doyle, obviously, before Ebron got there, and, and it's kind of been a big debate, obviously, between those two. Who's really the tight end one there? You have a pretty decent margin between the two. Last I looked, it was at, it was seven. You had Ebron at seven and uh, Doyle at fourteen. Everybody expects Ebron to take a little bit of a step back, and I'd imagine that last year was an outlier season for him. So if that happens, he takes a step back and Doyle regresses or not regresses, but comes back to what he was. Do you think those two will end up closer, or do you think that it's just that big of a difference between the two? Well, again, I look at it as as a, a drafting value here. Um, I think Ebron will be a little bit, I think he'll regress a little bit. I mean, I know he wants to break the touchdown record of Gronk and get 17. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think that he's going to fall back that far because, again, in the, in the red zone alone, you know, certainly they loved him. Now they've added Paris Campbell. They've got Funches. So there's some other weapons. So that's also kind of makes me feel like that there's potential for, um, you know, Ebron not to see as many at red zone targets. Um, so I think he will fall back a little bit. Um, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's going to be much, uh, but I don't have him, you know, he's, he's tight in four in this ADP. Like you said, I have him at six, um, which I think is reasonable, but I'm not going to draft him in the fifth round. Jack Doyle is going around 13. There's the guy I want. I want him as my con streaming. So we talk about con consistently streaming or con streaming with quarterbacks. I've also got an article in here about the same scenario with tight ends. Drafting guys very late, like um, you know, like a Jack Doyle, Delaney Walker, those kind of guys that are going in the 10th round, 13th round, 12th round, um, and combining those guys into a good, solid you know, 70, 75% consistent tight end without having to draft him in the second or third round. So I love Doyle this year. Um, you know, he was 67% consistent when he was on the field last year with Ebron. On those six games he played, he was four for six. Um, he just couldn't stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, then I think uh, he'll have, uh, you know, he'll get definitely get the touches on the passing game targets-wise more than he'll get the touchdowns. You know, the guy that interests me here is Jared Cook. Yes, I was just about to ask about him, too. You know, it comes down to the he's changing teams. He's going to a, a team with a lot more weapons than Oakland had last year. Mm -hmm. uh, his consistency rating doesn't look great, 56%, but yet he, he, and he was... 11th last year, and you have him up at four this year. Right. Is that just more of an indictment on the tight end scene in general? or? 
Well, and where he's at, he's going to New Orleans. I mean, last year he was fifth in total points, which most people don't realize, but he was horribly inconsistent because he was in Oakland. They'd, they'd throw him tons of balls one week, he'd get tons of targets, catch a couple touchdowns, and then you disappear for two weeks because that was Oakland. Now he's in New Orleans where they like to use a good tight end when they have one. They just haven't had one in a few years. Um, so I think that he could match the fifth in total points easily, but I think he could get up in that 70% tile range consistency wise. And, you know, when again, when you look at the fact that the other ones are Evan Ingram, which we don't know if he can come back and be strong, we think so. I might, you know, I could flip flop them and probably not blink an eye. Ebron, we think, will fall back a little bit. Hunter Henry hasn't proven himself. And then everybody else after that's kind of a crapshoot. So why not put Jared Cook in the top five? Uh, and especially if he did it last year in total points, he could definitely improve his consistency being in New Orleans. Um, and I think that'll certainly be a big help. And I think that's why, I, I mean, that's definitely why I have him in the in the top five at this point. All right, I'll allow it. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> All right, so a little bit of my, my Browns homerism coming out here. I love David Njoku. I, I know that he has been very inconsistent since being there in, or being with the Browns and in the NFL in general. Just kind of want to get your overall thoughts on him. I, I do worry, obviously, a little bit, especially, again, as we've talked about many times now with Odell coming over, that that might hurt him even more. But I do feel like he has been fairly inconsistent since being in the NFL. Do you think he can move any more from where you have him right now, which I believe is at 10. Yeah, I don't know. I think, again, I'd be happy if he just kind of, you know, made the top 10 in total points and 50% consistency. If he could pop it up to 60, that would be nice. I mean, that's only really one or two more clutch games. Um, I could see that happening. But, again, with Odell there, you know, he, he was a red zone guy, and now Odell's there, and... You know, uh, Landry, I mean, they do, they did some of those gadget things with Landry and I, Chubb. And I, there's just so many weapons there. I'm just very, I, I have him in the top 10. And it's really more just because I don't know who else to put in the top 10. Right. I don't want to put Vance McDonald in front of him, for God's <laughs> sakes. So, you know, it's one of those, uh, you know, you know, everybody took a step back instead of him taking a step forward. Um, so that's why I have him where I have him. Um, you know, he was his 50% was 15th in consistency. So realistically, he shouldn't even belong in the top 10. But I just feel like, well, he can probably jump up to the 60%, which moves him into the top 10. So that's why I have him in the in the top 10. And uh, you know, since there's really no other guys, you know, to pick. Like I said, if you don't pick the top three, you might as well just wait till the late rounds and just draft. Uh, you know, guys that you can you can you know stream a little bit, and Njoku's in the seventh round with Vance McDonald, and you know Austin Hooper's after him, and you know at least Jared Cook's at six twelve. I'll take Jared Cook at six twelve before I'm going to take Njoku at seven eight. Uh, yeah, it's a little disappointing to know that he's uh, he's being drafted right around the same spot as the Hooper scooper there because uh, I do not yeah. think he, he's good at all. So that is disappointing. Uh, so moving on to uh, another one of the the guy parts of the guy that I really found interesting was the undervalued. Uh, we already kind of touched a lot on Carson Wentz and Josh Allen, uh, especially you talking about how you think he could jump up from that tier four to, to tier one, which I do agree with you on. I think. The way he he used his legs last year was amazing, and I think he has a really realistic shot of doing that again this year. So, 
for me, Seattle, their running back situation there was very confusing last year. Obviously, a lot of people were very high on Rashad Penny when he came out, thought that he would become the workhorse back there. Uh, he never really could take the starting job away from Chris Carson. Who do you prefer going into 2019 for that running back position fight, I guess, between uh, Penny and Chris Carson? Well, I, I, I have to say that Outside of Adam Gase, I don't know if there's anybody else as dumb when it comes to running backs outside of Pete Carroll. Um, I mean that in the nicest possible and I mean way. No disrespect, no disrespect. No. I mean no disrespect. Um, well, I said it with all due respect. That, no, that doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want to say to me. Sure, sure as heck does. No, no, it doesn't it's mean that. It's in the Geneva Convention. Look it up. Not- <laughs> but, you know, let me just throw out the numbers of why – There's no reason in this world that Chris Carson should not be the number one running back on that team every freaking week. I like it. Lay it on us. Last year, year, when Carson was given double-digit carries, he averaged 17.1 fantasy points a game and had a 91% clutch rate in those 11 games. How in the hell somebody could look at that and not go, yep, he's the man, but yet, you know, he's not that high up. He's 24th running back right now. Rashad Penny's flying up the charts for no apparent reason other than the fact that he's a shiny toy from last year. (laughs) Yes, they got rid of Mike Davis. Yes, Rashad Penny might get some more touches, maybe get some catches out of the backfield. I'll give him that, but there is no reason that Chris Carson should be replaced by Rashad Penny, but this is still Pete Carroll, and he's a nutbag, and that's the (laughs) only thing that scares me, but I have Chris Carson on so many best ball teams right now, I can't even see straight. Um, He is one of my favorite players this year. Uh, The other one was actually Mike Davis until the idiots in Chicago drafted uh, Montgomery um, because he was actually really good when he touched you know more than 12 touches in a game he was very good as well i thought he could do that in chicago now it's kind of hard to tell but yeah i'm all in on chris carson i hope he continues to fall out of the top 24 i'll draft him as my rb2 in round uh you know whatever it is four five six whatever every day of the week yeah i love chris carson two years ago but i I I now love Rashad Penny. <laughs> I I want which it really hurts me because I want Carson to do well because I really liked I, I really liked him a couple of years ago when he came into the league. But some of the things that Penny does, Carson just can't do. And I feel like if he was given the same opportunity as Carson, he would produce at a much higher level. Yeah, we'll see. And. You know, no, we won't, because Carroll isn't going to give either one of them the right amount of touches. Well, it'll be just like last year. Carson will go off and have like two big games, and you'll think, finally, they made some. You know, they got something going here. And then he'll and, be inactive, right? And then he'll be inactive the next week, and Penny will play the whole game, or Carson will get benched in the second series, and you'll ne- and you'll have three carries for the day, and you go, what the hell happened? That's be, why did Travis Homer have 22 carries? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the only thing that scares me is that Pete Carroll's still the coach and um but yeah, I'm still going to draft cars and I don't care. <laughs> I'll get I'll get Rashad Penny maybe later rounds or something just to be safe. But where is the value for Penny? 
Well, obviously in a PPR because he can catch a ball out of the backfield. I mean, you know, right now he's RB35 round eight. So, you know, he really could be a good handcuff to Carson if because by that time you're drafting your backup running back. So, you know, again, I wouldn't have a problem. It's not that I don't like Penny as a player. I just don't see any reason why he should be a starter over Chris Carson. Um, you know, I think I think he should touch the ball more, and, and I think that'll happen. And I think at his current ADP, but if it keeps moving up, where all of a sudden Penny and Carson are, you know, at, at 25 and 26, I'm, just, I'm not drafting Penny that high. But, you know, like I said, it's just, it's just the uh, thing you got to look at in the whole coaching issue. I mean, I ran into this a lot last year between Jordan Howard in Chicago, Kenyon Drake in Miami, uh, you know. <laughs> I was just literally ready to stab people at, at some point because I'm like, why? You know, then Jordan Howard goes to Philadelphia. I'm all psyched because now he's going to get the full-time job. And, nope, they go get Miles Sanders. So that that's a mess now. Yeah, just about everywhere I have one of them this offseason, I went and got the other one. Yeah, good idea. I just figured that at some point, I, I feel like Penny's going to take over at some point before the end of the year. Uh, but we'll see. You know, like I said, I, I liked Chris Carson, so it's very, it's a very tough situation for me. It's like choosing you. my favorite child. Oh, everybody's <laughs> got a favorite child. Let's not pretend like that's that hard. Well, yeah, I'm no. not going to say that out loud. Oh, yeah, I got you. I got you. I'll admit it. It's my firstborn. Anyways, let's move on. So, continuing with the uh, the running back kind of camp battle. Well, I wouldn't say camp battles, but battles. Uh, you have another one in Kansas City. A lot of people are just assuming that Damian Williams is going to be the guy there. However... You do have some people like Dennis who keep bringing up the fact that Carlos Hyde has been very good for a very long time and could end up being more of the guy than Williams. Where do you stand on those two? Well, Dennis, you're going to be really happy with my next comment. Right now, in my opinion, I believe, just like you do, that, again, I don't know what the coaching staff's going to do, but I believe Carlos Hyde should be the starter. And if he's not the starter week one, he will take over as the starter by week four. Here's why. Carlos Hyde has been the starting running back for a for a, an NFL franchise called the San Francisco 49ers two years ago. He was 75% consistent, caught 59 receptions, and can be the man. Damian Williams was only good last year because he never touched the ball. He had 32 snaps all the way up to week 13, total 32 snaps he played on the field. Of course he was great through the end of the year in the playoffs. He had the freshest legs in the NFL. And in that offense, I could have ran for 100 yards a game because there was too many weapons for the defense to worry about. I don't think Damian Williams has never been the man anywhere. He could make it Miami. He couldn't beat out Drake. Drake took over his job. I don't see how, and yet right now, the ADP for Damian Williams is 2.08. He is the 13th running back coming off the off the board. And Carlos Hyde's going in the ninth round. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? There is no way that I'm drafting Damian Williams that high. If somebody else wants to, good luck. Great. And Bob, you just keep getting better looking. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand how... People could be, again, I, it's the shiny object. It's the shiny toy. Damian Williams is the shiny toy that 
busted out at the end of last year. But nobody thinks about the fact that this guy couldn't beat out Kenyon Drake in Miami. He got benched. He was basically left for dead in Kansas City. He, like I said, he only took 32 snaps in the first 13 weeks. Then Hunt goes down, and boom, all of a sudden, this guy's the you know a a a high or a low end one or a high end RB two in just four games and yet Carlos Hyde who's proven I mean gotta remember Carlos Hyde went four for five in clutch games for Cleveland until they finally let him go because of Nick Chubb it wasn't like he was it was bad he was doing great for the Browns they just got a pick for him they got a fifth round pick and they shipped him off to Jacksonville because well they got a fifth round pick for him. It wasn't Jackson. You know, Jacksonville was the idiots that didn't play him. So I, I just don't understand it. I think Hyde's going to kick ass. So that's my opinion. <laughs> I, I like it. As a, as a former, uh, him being a former Buckeye, I, I want to see him succeed. Like I said, I, me and Dennis, yeah. uh, we, we have been on different ends of this. Now, I don't want to say that it's the, the shiny new toy in Damian Williams. I just thought that the fact that they paid him – I don't know if he'll be the lead back, but I, I don't know if Carlos Hyde will be either. I'm can, I honestly think with them drafting two other running backs too in the draft, I, I feel like this running back uh, is going to be a mess really in Kansas City. But it could be, it could be. But because of that, there's that's why there's no way I'm drafting Williams in the second round. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree yeah. With you. Now whether or not you draft Hyde in the ninth, again, what do you got to lose anyway? Right. Um, you know, and and then you know if he doesn't work out, fine, you dump him and but. Gosh, you know, to have that big of a gap between the two of them, especially to have Williams at eye, there's no way. So who is your wide receiver that you would target in Carolina? It seems like they've got a lot of guys that are the kind of the exact same mold of wide receiver and play kind of the same thing. Who would be the wide receiver you target? Well, it's interesting because this is another one of these where there's a huge gap ADP-wise, and yet the numbers, my numbers, speak for the guy that's the highest ADP. So DJ Moore. Uh, 50% consistent last year. Nothing wrong with that. Fine, fine numbers. Uh, ranked 37th in consistency, but in the second half of the season was only 4 for 8, which is 50%, so he matched that. Okay, fair enough. Curtis Samuel last year, 62% consistent for the season, 26th overall in consistency. Second half of the year went 6 out of 8 for 75%. Sounds like these guys are pretty even except for the fact that D.J. Moore's ADP is 5'11", and Curtis Samuels is 13.01. Wow. You tell me which guy I'm picking. <laughs> D.J. Moore? <laughs> Probably not. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. So we were talking about so Curtis that's, Samuels. That's, that's, my, that's, my, that's my, I mean, again, I don't think D.J. Moore is a bad wide receiver. I think he's a fine wide receiver. Um, I, you know, I have him ranked as uh, number 30th on my, my, my list, but I have Samuel 32, but yet his ADP is 13, round 13. So, yeah, I'm picking Samuel as my wide receiver, probably five. And I think, you know, he can put up, he, well, he did it last year. He put up wide receiver three value last year, and he's going to the 13th round. Why would I not take Samuel? Yeah. Yeah, again, you know, we'll just uh, keep talking about those uh wonderful Ohio State players. Uh, I, I love Curtis <laughs> Samuel. I think um, – you know, if he's used right the way that he was used at Ohio State, I think he could be an explosive weapon for the Panthers. So I love the call. Uh, I think he could be phenomenal there. The only thing that worries me really is Cam Newton in the shoulder. That That's all that worries me about him being in Carolina. Yeah. I mean, everything has been pointing to him throwing the ball, doing well, so we'll just have to wait and see. But, yeah, but again, remember, when Newton wasn't there, 
Samuel was the favorite of the backup quarterback. So. Yeah. So before we close out the podcast, I want to get one last uh, little undervalue talk here on the tight ends. Give me two tight ends that you think people are sleeping on who could be big contributors in 2019. Well, I think we already talked about at least one of them, and that's Jack Doyle. Again, 13th round guy, 67% consistent when he's on the field. It's hard to argue that that guy's value is way off the charts. My other guy is Delaney Walker. This really comes down to health, but Delaney Walker was a top six or seven tight end the last three years when he's been healthy. Um, so he's definitely one of my favorites. Again, kind of thinking about those two guys from a streaming standpoint. Um, you know, again, getting both of them late in the draft as my tight ends if I don't go early and pick a Kelsey or somebody. Uh, but let me throw out one other guy that nobody is talking about, and, and it all depends on basically one person's decision. That person's decision is Greg Olson's of whether he's going to play or not play this year. If he decides to retire before the season starts, for goodness sakes, run out and grab Ian Thomas as fast as you can. Because last year when Olson wasn't on the field, Thomas was, I think, 70 or 75% consistent in those games. He was definitely a favorite, definitely got a lot of targets in the passing game when Olsen wasn't around. And this guy has the potential to be something very good, I think. Uh, so he's definitely a guy that if you're a best ball draft, you want to take a, a round 28 or something pick, uh, grab Ian Thomas and hope that Greg Olsen gets persuaded to go back and go into the booth. Yeah, I like Thomas. He he stepped up and really looked good when uh, Olsen went down. Um, he was a hot waiver wire commodity. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Dennis must just be really falling in love with you at this moment because he's really propping <laughs> up Ian Thomas here in the offseason and everything, and then you just went right on and started talking about him as well. We need to have that conversation beforehand. Dennis was like, hey, here's my favorite players. Talk about all of them. No, just... <laughs> uh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it one bit. <laughs> Bob, seriously, thank you so much for joining us and, and thank you. dropping yeah. all this knowledge on us. We, we really do appreciate it. It's always nice to have someone else on here to talk intelligently with Dennis uh, and, and giving the listeners <laughs> a lot of good knowledge because I usually steer them the, or I show them the way they shouldn't go. So it's always nice to have another person on here who, who can help them out. Um, Give us everything that you can tell us about this guide, where we can find it, how much it is. I know you've got a special that you want to talk about. Just lay it all on us so that we can get our listeners out there and start buying this thing. Definitely. So there's multiple ways to get this. If you're a printed copy kind of person, you got to have the book in your hand. Uh, Translate you, uh, old. Yeah, you're old. <laughs> Well, there must be a lot of old people that bought my book last year because of the 2,000 I sold, 1,800 of them bought them as a printed version and not as a PDF or an ebook. So, Sweet. Uh, so yeah, I think people still like that printed copy. So it's just fine. Go to Amazon, just search on 2019 Consistency Guide, Fantasy Football Consistency Guide. Trust me, it's the only one that's going to pop up. Um, and it's there. Uh, you can get that. Uh, it, and it's prime shipping. If you have the prime, you can get it in two days, so you're in, in good shape. Uh, the great thing is I update this all season long. So if you want an update during the season, just email me. Let me know. Uh, if not, you can, with the guide, has a code in it that you can upgrade to the VIP access. Uh, it's only $10 for the whole year. You get all the articles, the consistency report tool, uh, everything on the site the whole year. Basically, you're still only spending 20 bucks. If you come to the site, you can buy the VIP for 20 bucks, and you just get the PDF and that. So I always tell people, if you want to print it, 
you want the best of both worlds, buy the printed, use the use the code for the VIP upgrade, and you're going to still spend 20 bucks, and, and you've got both, both the best of both worlds. You get all the updates and everything. Uh, the site is BigGuyFantasySports.com. You can go there. Uh, again, you know, you have access to that. Uh, if you use the coupon code BigGuy20, you can get 20% off the VIP or the guide there, so that saves you four bucks off the guide. I'm sorry, four bucks off the VIP, two bucks off the guide. Saves you a little bit there as well. And uh, guys, thank you again for having me. It was an honor to be a part of this. And you know, I thought it was some great questions. You you help you help me pull out some of my favorite. Uh, why are these guys so far down in the ADP versus other guys? So uh, I think that, that allowed me to to drop some good knowledge that. Uh, I'm happy to share and uh, look forward to maybe coming back on sometime this summer and uh, we'll see what things have changed and uh, what other ideas we can talk about. Awesome. We appreciate you, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. I would, uh, I'd love to try and get you, uh, if possible, back on right around maybe the start before all redrafts really start getting kicked off and bring on see what's changed for you and, and different stuff and even more knowledge that you can drop on all the fans because we would really appreciate it. You got it, man. Anytime, guys. Right on. All right, well, seriously, thank you again, Bob, so much for joining us. Dennis, as always, let us know where we can find you on Twitter. You can find me at culture underscore coach. Uh, love to interact. DM me if you got some questions. Uh, post my articles there. And, uh, you know, I write for DynastyNerds.com. Uh, co-host this illustrious podcast with you. And uh, coming up probably in the next uh, week or two, I'll be starting to do the standard rankings for DynastyNerds.com in the Nerd Herd. So if you've uh, jumped out ahead of the game and you've subscribed, uh, that'll be one of the options. They're going to have Superflex, Tight End Premium, Dynasty Rankings, Redraft Rankings, Rookie Rankings, Standard Rankings, IDP Rankings. If you can rank it, it's going to be there on <laughs> Dynasty Nerds in the Nerd Herd. Uh, so uh, I'll be doing the uh, standard rankings, and uh, along with that, I'm going to be putting together a show based on the standard rankings, and so I'll be looking forward to rolling that out as well. All right, we'll have to get Josh on your show and have him talk <laughs> about uh, standard league consistency. That'll be that, good. I did forget to say, do. you can find me on Twitter at Bob underscore long. I was just about to ask to make sure, because everybody following <laughs> like I did, I did yesterday. Don't don't wait as long as I did, because I'm, I'm bad about that. If you're following me and Dennis, you need to be following Bob, that's for sure, because he'll drop better knowledge than me. I think him and Dennis are probably right there together, but definitely, <laughs> if you're following me, follow those two, because they're the better follows for sure. All right, thank you guys seriously so much for, for doing this with me tonight, and I hope you both have a, a good weekend. I look forward to talking to you both again very soon. All right, thanks, Kevin. Right Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? 